Welcome back to From the Pit, and uh, we have the the honor today of speaking with Eddie Sutton of Leeway. How you doing, guys? Thank you for having me. Oh, oh no, thank you for coming on, man. Well, it's a beautiful thing. The fact that people want to talk to me still is, is, is a nice thing. Well, I mean, I can only speak for myself when I say that um, hearing Born to Expire several years ago was what was one of the albums that got me to actually consider getting into hardcore. So I kind of owe well, you a debt, my man. Uh, well, thank you. I mean, to me, it's it's a blessing to be able to have the relevancy after 30 years. You know, I, I think a lot of music or bands take that for granted. 
you know, and, and I surely don't, because when we were in that record, I sincerely doubt any of us had any belief that people would still be wanting to hear that today. You know what I mean? It was supposed to be modern music. I don't think any of us expected some of the bands musically to become like almost classic rock labeled type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, 70s rock was classic rock for so many years. But now this music has aged and, you know, it's just very trippy that, you know, I have fans that are, you know, I, I never expected that to happen. So, I mean, I'm truly blessed and honored for whatever support I get today. And I guess that's why it's very important for me to try to play out and do as much as I can with the music while I, before it's all over, you know, so. Well, yeah, and I mean it's uh it's interesting I, so i've i've uh read a couple interviews with you where you you kind of mentioned that some of the older bands that are still around are are kind of playing it safe or you know a lot of them i can think quite a few who i've seen uh several times in the past couple years you know they've been kind of back at it for the better part of a decade now but they're not even considering recording new material and I think it's yeah. really cool to see um, not only new leeway material coming out, but the the fact that you know you're you're still taking risk with it. It doesn't sound like you're just rewriting "Born to Expire." No, no, I don't believe in that. Honestly, you know, you the the band itself when it was together, we always pushed the envelope. We always tried to bring something new. If you listen to our albums, each album had a different sound or approach and we were trying to do different things. I don't feel it's right to go out there and just play the same songs show after show. Um, it's not fair to an audience. I don't want to be, you know, like I said, we were talking about classic rock, you know. I'm not going up there like some fucking doo-wop singer and I'm going to just sing songs from a... a <laughs> back time and pass you know what i mean i'm not sha na na so you know i have to bring something else you know i have to go up there i have to be enjoying myself so i have to play the songs i want and i want to perform what i want to perform and if i do that normally the audience will you know feed off me and will enjoy ourselves you know, so, I mean, I'm not writing songs particularly for the audience, but I am writing songs to bring them something new. I hope that makes sense. Hey. Like, you know, I, I want to do my music and I perform my music and, and you know, the audience appreciates me for what I do. I, I just don't want to sit there and keep feeding them old stuff when there is the opportunity to still do something, you know? And so that's that's why I'm trying to make the... Yeah, well, I mean, it, it shows. Um, I know all of us have seen you at least once, uh, if not yeah. more, in, in the uh -huh. past couple years. And um, I, I think one of the things that, that really shines through is just the insane stage energy that you still bring. The, the positivity. <laughs> uh, I, mean, we I, saw I you remember actually more. being... Come I remember on, actually being very. Oh, sorry, but I, I was gonna say no, I go I, 
I was very, very fortunate to see uh, you play with Leeway in Philly about a year ago, and I, it was it was one of those sort of realization of a dream moments. Like I, I kind of had another one recently where I finally saw Morbid Angel play live, but it was also seeing you play a bunch of these songs that I'd been listening to for several years now, just being like, God, I would kill to see this play live. And when Phil, uh, my other co-host who's been talking to you here, told me that I was going to mm. get a chance to see you play. I was like, I can't miss it. And I was actually kind of taken aback with just how nuts your stage show was. It was, it was like, wow, this, like, goddamn, this, these guys have, they still got that energy. It's kind of insane. Oh, I mean, I, well, I, I, I consider myself very lucky. You know, I went through a lot when I was in my twenties, and after a series of health issues, I also broke my neck in two thousand six. And, you know, luckily I wasn't wheelchair bound or anything like that. I was able to heal, uh, learn, because that was a challenge. And, uh, you know, to be able to be doing this still at 54 is like a blessing. And it is very cathartic. So I take advantage of going out, all out when I can. And, uh, you know, the Philly shows are a perfect example of what you could call like the perfect storm, the right amount of people in the right sized room and the right energy. A lot of times, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have the room filled to that capacity or not enough people are there, even if it's a small room. So you never know what you're going to get every night. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I kind of go up there and I go into my own world and, and just do it. I don't think people notice it a lot, but a lot of the times I'm up there just, you know, winging it with my eyes closed. You know what I mean? Because it's almost like I'm trying to ride a wave, if you will. And uh, I'm not as scared because, you know, audiences have already knocked all my teeth. I'm like a <laughs> hockey player. So what else, what else are they going to do to me? You know what I mean? So I mm -hmm. kind of just go all out and I don't, I don't fear, yeah. Or, yeah, or, I mean... or in the sense of like, you know, I was more maybe protective of my then and now I'm just like, whatever. When we played A7s just a month ago, I expected to get punched a couple of times, but I just closed my eyes and surprisingly I didn't. <laughs> and, you know. That is literally a room. That's not even really a sound room, you know, but that's where New York Hardcore really started. So to get to play there after all this time was a beautiful thing and another check off the bucket list because I was a wallflower. A7s was around. I wasn't in a band yet, so I never had the chance. You know, that's, that's the other thing too. I'm getting to check off a million different things on my bucket list that I thought I wouldn't get to do. But it's easier now doing it myself without the stress of the not making it fun. And, uh, you know, sad truth, you know, people grow up and it's difficult to work together. This is really the only way for me to do this. And have you have you ever reached any have you ever reached ever. well 
I'm I'm curious to know, have you ever reached any points where you thought to yourself, this isn't fun at all anymore and I just want to give it all up? Yeah, it happens a lot. But, you know, you owe them because it's it's tangible part of you. You know, it, the, 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 the financial side never is the way you hope it can. But if we were all, all doing the money, it would have died much sooner. There is a heart and passion that keeps this going for a lot of people. And, you know, at the end, of the day, it's not about me. You know, it's not just about these people that have supported you all these years and have taken your music and, and it's become an important part of their lives. When you, you know, when you realize that and when the people come to you and they give you those stories, you realize it's bigger than you. And, uh, you know, you got to go out there and touch as many people as you can. It's, it's kind of like the only way for me to really, you know, have the opportunity to meet a lot of the people I talk to online. I could get a little lost on this, but, you know, through my own drug recovery, I've had a lot of fans reach out to me for help. And not just drug recovery, but depression and suicide. And you start investing a lot of time and emotion into these people. And it, it becomes a bigger thing than the singer for leeway. Do you, do you find that keeping busy tends to help with everything? Oh, with anybody, especially recovering addict. If, if, you, got, if you don't have things happening at idle time can definitely get you lost. Even though I love a lazy ass day where, you know, I can sit back, but, um, you know, I need to be busy. I need to keep going as much as I like my privacy. I do interact socially with people, you know, like when I, I'm the guy doing the merch and, and it's kind of like a free meet and greet. You can come and talk to me me and you and then I go up and do the show I close up the merch and and make myself accessible the whole night I'm not hanging out backstage or anything like that I can't do that I can't afford to really have somebody do your work position so I'm doing all of it but it gives me the opportunity to meet up with everybody too you know yeah. not everybody do I have a experience with, you know, I might get a drunk guy, uh, you know, in Europe and the language barrier's off and he's trying to give me a bear hug and he's squeezing onto my neck a little too hard. <laughs> and I got to tell him, dude, chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? I'm not a pork chop. You know? <laughs> but apparently, up is a very universal word. They know what I'm saying when I say that, you know. But, you know, uh, I don't get as many haters, you know, as, as other bands do or the personalities that I know do. So I'm kind of blessed in that department, too. You know, I mean, you know, you're always going to have haters and people talking shit and stuff like that. But luckily, I don't have a lot of that, you know. I think everybody knows the one troll that likes to troll me, but then again, he's, you know, well, that was actually, I don't give a fuck. 
That was I the... don't give a fuck what people say about me. You know. No, fuck, fuck them. But um, I was curious when um, you know, early leeway did um, was there was there detractors for the crossover sensibility? A, a little bit. I I think it at an early point on though. I think people saw band was and and that's why a lot of the normandy studios to record after us they wanted to capture um the competition between bands wasn't percolating like in in a uh obvious way but i think you know some people weren't happy with the course of crawl in New York music. So you had the die that really didn't go with that sound. But then there were others who were kind of like the top bands at the time and they were seeing the change of the tide and I think they felt threatened. So, you know, a lot of people didn't want to hook this band up because of the potential of them stealing the show or becoming the next big thing and taking the place of whoever was whoever was on top at that you know i don't know if that makes any sense but i'm trying to get it, there it it's just it just strikes me as such a shame because i mean obviously i wasn't I'm in there a podcast right now I'm talking a few i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> no it's like uh it's okay man like i was saying it it just strikes me as such a shame because uh, it's crossover. Like I mentioned earlier was such an instrumental uh, aspect of actually getting me to listen to, to hardcore because I, I never used to have any interest in it whatsoever. And now I'm, now I'm just at the point where I'm like, give me all of it. Give me as much of this cool ass hardcore as I can find. But I mean, I think I, I can't help but wonder how many people like me, uh, could have been exposed earlier yeah i mean how many people could have been more exposed to it if like there hadn't been any like real opposition to the crossover sound because i mean who who knows how many people from both the metal and the hardcore worlds got into the opposing style of music via crossover i mean like like i said it started for it started for me with bands like you and sod and crumb suckers and cryptic slaughter and Chromags, all all that stuff. It's yeah, it's all a lot just, of bands. Yeah, a lot of bands got that recognition. We didn't really get uh, the respect where we should have been in that history because yeah, Born to Spy didn't come out until '89, so everybody normally thinks thinks of SOD crumb suckers and Anthrax. Yeah. Now that really, and I'm not trying to disrespect any band. But right there with those three bands, that wasn't really the matinee scene bands. You know, Crumb Suckers were from Long Island. They didn't really uh, play that many shows with hardcore bands, per se. You know, Anthrax was an outsider trying to uh, kind of appropriate our thing into theirs. And SOD was like a project that just you know blossomed as all of this was happening 
But well, as, I mean, you know, Leeway was writing Enforcer and the songs that were going to be on board to expire in a matter of time. You know, a lot of bands were watching us that were going into that crossover position too. Not just uh, Chrome Eggs, but AF. And, and, you know, by 86, the sound was really starting to change much more. Leeway finally got to do shows, signed a record deal in 87. But when we recorded Born to Expire in November 87, it did not get released until January of 89. So as far as the historical timeline of things, a lot of people don't realize how much leeway was in the thick of it at that time now uh a lot of that has to do with the the contract with uh profile records right um profile regardless of the record deal um it didn't really it the, the contract didn't have so much of an issue of delaying the release of the album zowie the bass player at the time he left to join uh, Circus of Power, which was a major label band that the, they offered him a salary and tour. So he took it. We had to wait for him to come back to New York to sign the release, which was a lot of what prevented okay. the album from getting out sooner. It, it didn't have anything to do with the record contract itself, gotcha. you know, and the things that kind of... Uh, weren't good for us you know what i mean i, I don't think there's really anybody from the, that time and place that was happy with their record deal um you know record deals are basically you know the definition of capitalism exploitation you're going to get used so we all signed that contract hoping that you know our asshole stays intact after we get fucked <laughs> <laughs> I don't know not how any other way to really analyze that. No, it's you know what you know what honestly, Eddie. Sometimes the only way you can get a point like that across is just by just by saying it the crude way. Well, it's, it it's was understandable. What it was. I learned a lot. Profile did some good things for us. They did a lot of bad things. Chris Williamson helped us in many ways, but he also didn't do things right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. Every band has their highs and lows and you have to make the best of what comes you know what i mean it's it's there's nothing guaranteed you know it, it it's it's a constant crapshoot you try to dot and cross every int you possibly can to to make it go smoothly but there's always going to be something well you know? i mean I mean, I, I, I can only speak for myself again when I sometimes feel like, you know, I, I, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, are we, is this podcast ever going to go anywhere? Like, am I, am I just wasting my time? And then I find out that like, oh shit, I have an interview with Eddie Sutton of Leeway, like a, a band that I've admired and loved for years. And then it makes me think, you know what? It's worth it. Well, you're doing what you enjoy doing. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it's at some point you have to look for the own the self worth of it, uh, beyond. Oh yeah. The uh, interest and and relevancy that goes outside the world. You know, I know that I don't have as many followers 
as this band and that band has. But you know what, that's okay because at least I know the people that are following me support the leeway that I have out right now, you know. For the last eight years I get normal, you know, I get stragglers going, that's not leeway, it doesn't have this dude to that dude. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine, you know what I mean? Uh, all well, New York bands go through changes, people come in and out, you know, that was kind of like the norm, especially in the 80s, everybody was switching up, or well, one band was leaving this band for the other. Oh, and, it, was, uh, it was constant. I, I've been reading um, uh, Roger from Agnostic Front. I've been reading his uh, his autobiography, and you know, the, mm. the first five chapters are just he was in every band with you know. It, it's just how that scene worked at the time. It's crazy. Yeah, I I remember Roger's first show that I saw with uh after james contra left i i forget who the vocalist was before him but you know a have went to a series of changes before roger came in and there was a certain level of uh steadiness going between him and Vinny. you know you had todd youth in and out of the band uh rabies tried playing drums for the band before he started warzone you know you had you know, James Contra was known as Jimmy the Russian. He was a very wild cat. And, uh, you know, you saw all these people going in and out of each band. You know, uh, you know, before Billy Milano did SOD, he was in a band called The Psycho. And all of those dudes. And, uh, you know, it, that whole unified thing spilled through so many different and uh, in somebody else's albums, you know, and they're getting compensated or paid for their time, and they don't have to stress and worry about all the bullshit that I have to stress and worry about. You know what I mean? Because they're not managing the band. To them, it's just a job. They're the hired gun, you know? So they don't have to go through the crap that I have to go through. And they're in bigger bands, you know, playing to bigger audiences. So they really shouldn't be losing sleep over me. But, you know, they don't want to also do things right. I've had issues with this uh, Belgian record label that just re-released Open Mouth Kiss without my... And uh, that's an example of the fuckery that still goes on between band members that doesn't necessarily have to be. You know, uh, AJ's doing this with Tom for Reality Records without even trying to contact me, not even asking me for consent or input, and uh, I'm not having it. We worked on a deal several years ago to reissue Born to Expire in Desperate Measures, and over an 18-month period, Tom from Reality Records showed me how much of a half-ass he was by, you know, ha sending me damaged product, taking seven, eight months at a clip to get it to me, Jeez. while promising me month after month that it's coming, causing me endless problems. 
and then not being honest with the accounting. So I told him in 2015 or early 2016 that I was done. You know, you have the reissues of these two records, but you did not have my consent to reissue Adult Crash or Open Mouth Kiss. So now, four years later, here I am heading out to Europe. I'm headlining a Belgian festival. He is one of the paid sponsors. And instead of him confronting me that day, he decides to hide and not show up. So I do the event. And then after I leave Belgium that weekend, he has the audacity to announce pre-order after I left the country like a sneaky, weaselly bitch. Oh, oh shit. Jesus. Jesus fucking and Christ. He, he just, like, so I guess him and AJ just thought, you know, I'm the same, you know, mentally ill person I was 25 years ago while trying to maintain a drug habit that, you know, uh, that they were just going to walk all over me and run roughshod, and I proved them wrong. I made sure I contacted the main distros, and they all stopped pushing the CD and vinyl, and so now Tom will be stuck to selling it at his merch table, <laughs> at every event he plays, he he works in Europe, because really that's all he is, he's just a fucking flea market table dude, trying to co-opt the music by trying to claim himself he's a record guy. Let me tell you something, I don't care who the fuck you are. But you can't call yourself a record label if you're one person. You need a publicist. You need somebody working the mail order. I mean, if you're all of that, well, then I guess I can be all of that. That's why I put out my own music. And I put it out with my friends and, you know, working uh, my reality entertainment, which is another slap in the face to him. Reality records? No, it's my reality entertainment because this is my reality. I am not going to deal with you fucking mutts anymore. And if you think you can play me, you're in for another fucking story. You know? And and that's what it is. He, eventually, that dude will have to face me. And, you know, he's going to have to spend the whole year trying to get his money back from pressing and printing all of those uh, units because he doesn't have the big distro companies behind him now. The only people he's going to have are the rest of those mail-order flunkies with their little website, (laughs) you know, selling everybody else's CDs to make a dollar or two a unit, you know what I mean? Because they really don't have any clout. They don't really have any real potential or, or, or business sense to really get out there, you know? And that's, that's what it is. You know, I don't knock anybody that's on the DIY ethic. But I am going to knock you if you cannot keep your word with me. You know, if I, if I make a promise to somebody, you know, they're going to hold my feet to the fucking coals. So that means if that's the case on my end, you have to keep your word with me. I mean, isn't that how it's supposed to be? We're, in a per- in a perfect doing world, these yeah. deals with handshakes now. I can't do that because these people are not honorable enough. 
to do something on a handshake. Well, it's it, it's such a shame to see that, uh, especially in in hardcore, where you know this whole thing, like you mentioned earlier, like this was built as a community. Uh, you're supposed to be able to to trust. Your We're like pariahs sense. to the rest of the industry. We have to look out for each other. So if you just start fucking each other over, what do you got? What do you got? You know what I mean? It's like straight edge kids talking about unity, but they only want to be unified amongst themselves, or 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 you know what I mean? Like people that talk about unity and all that shit. I, half of them don't even understand that being unified means all of us, everybody that walks. Whether you're a crusty punk, or a fucking metalhead, yep. or, you know, you're just some introverted person that showed up at this show with uh, personal issues. You know, we're all supposed to be under that blanket of unity. Well, you know what I mean? I mean, I know I felt that unity for myself. Uh, I've been to This Is Hardcore twice now. Uh, I just mm. got back from my second time uh, a few weeks ago, and mm. it was all it was amazing to me both times I went. In that, I mean, I I was I I was definitely one of the token metal dudes at that show. Nobody ever gave yeah. me any shit about it, though. I mean, I mean, I had a couple of I had a couple of people compliment my bolt thrower hat, but you know, nobody gave me any shit about it. Everyone was just like, you know, hey. It's like, you know, yo, let's go get a beer. Or let's like, yo, let's go check out the merch tables. It's like, there was no, sh nobody gave me, nobody gave me a hard time. Nobody, nobody fucking screwed with me or anything. And it's. Well, definitely at yeah. an event like that, it's, it's much bigger. I guess when you deal, it depends on what city yeah. and whether there's a crew there trying to, you know, push authority or, or be, be the crew. You know, you, you may have that at times, but most people are generally mature enough to understand, you know, that bringing fights or violence to any show just destroys this thing. Yeah. You know, like, if all of that shit needs to be taken outside, because when it's kind of in the, in, in the front and center of a show or event... You know, it's just turning people off. You know, I, I don't want to see a kid who's excited to go to his first show. And everybody who goes to their first show is a little intimidated by the characters that they're around. You know, they see all these people and they're either impressed or a little intimidated by them. So, you know, you're trying to get into that and understand all that. And then, like, you want to go dance, say. And then all of a sudden, boom, you hit the wrong guy. And that wrong guy gets upset and wants to kick your ass. But he's not the only one that's going to kick your ass. Three of his friends are going to jump in, too. Do you think that kid's going to go to a show after getting his ass handed to him like that? You think he's going to come back and see a second show, a third show? No, that's it. We just lost a potential person who could have been part of this with us you know so yeah. a lot of times anybody who acts in a bad reflection can be you know taking something away from us collectively because yeah. you know a lot of people don't want to go to shows and deal with some of the shit that goes on at shows yeah there's you know? there, there's there's a uh... 
there are a lot of negative side effects to things like violence at shows and things like extreme aggressive gatekeeping that, that I mean, they, they affect the scene as a whole. I mean, you know, some, some people don't like to talk about it. Some people like to pretend it doesn't happen and that it doesn't exist, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it's kind of hard to deny. Drug abuse or anything else that's going on, or even the predatory sexual nature of some of the guys that have been around for a while that have taken advantage of, uh, you know, very nice girls that started hanging out and things like that. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. my fiance went to This Is Hardcore this year, and, uh, you know, everybody looked out for her, and, and she had a great time. And I knew that was going to be the case uh, just simply because, you know, this is hardcore is one of the few East Coast events that you can count on each year that is going to be a good time, great bands, and the drama will be kept to a minimum. You know, yeah. I'm sure fights disrupt and start in certain moments, but most of the time they're squashed in a heartbeat and that's it. There was really yeah. only one issue that occurred, I think, over the last nine years, and it was a big issue, but that was like six, seven years ago, and since then, nothing's really occurred. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, th you know, things do happen, and that's all understandable, but I, you know, a lot of people don't really check themselves as they come through the front door, you know? Uh... They, they're still going to act a fool and and do things that, you know, aren't necessarily positive for a good show. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't do things like that because I would like to be welcomed back at This Is Hardcore for many years to come. <laughs> so, yeah, I doubt you have anything to worry about, too. You know what I mean? Because uh, everybody kind of knows. To, to go correct to that it's it, it not only you know will you be uh upsetting some of the wrong people but like for me for example you know what i mean like if i was to show up and do that you know i'd be risking you know contacts with one of the biggest bookers on the east coast i have a great relationship with joe and chris striegel and you know they're great guys Oh, they're, you know? they're awesome. So I'm not going to go into their house. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of people I want to fucking knock the shit out of. But, you know, when I see them at a show, I can't do that because I'll be shitting on that person's house. Do you know what I mean? That's... If you're invited to dinner and, you know, you, you, you ran into somebody who robbed your house at, under someone else's roof, you know, it's kind of like a bad position to be in because, of course, you want to kill the motherfucker. But you also don't want to disrespect your friend's household. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, so at least I'm a big enough person to kind of keep my mouth shut and and uh, wait for another time and place. You know, that's all you can do. That's yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, I'm I'm an easygoing guy, but that but once uh, I'm put to the point where I've got to cut somebody off, I cut them off. And that's it. I don't speak to them again. They could be around the same people that I'm talking to at a particular moment. But I just do not acknowledge them and I just keep moving forward. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. 
There's other That's people a... I want to confront, like Tom from Reality Records. But, you know, he he likes to hide. He thinks he can hide and he can pull all this shit on me. You know, and AJ the same thing. But, you know, there are ways for me to fix and remedy all these issues. And the most important thing is, like, getting the music back on iTunes and Spotify because they didn't have the proper rights to it. And the people that still own the rights to the recording uh, for both Vortex by and Desert Measures, you know, took that shit down. I was wondering you know, because why Because nobody did it right. Yeah, well, it's because of them to not procuring the rights properly. Okay. That's A. And if, but you know what? Nobody's asking them why. I'm the one that has to answer. Every fucking fan contacts me asking me why the music isn't on iTunes Spotify. Well, what, you, what you need to do is you need to go in the sewer and dig out one <laughs> of the rats that put it up there and uh, ask them. Well, but they don't probably even know why yeah. it got shut down. They just know it got shut down. So I'm in the process of trying to get all that shit taken care of properly and right. Because, gotcha. you know, obviously we're not going to do it as civil adults. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know, like being in a band with somebody the way I am with AJ, it's it's like a marriage. And then the marriage goes bad. Well, uh... So I guess he's the, uh, the bitter wife. Because he wants to try to make... He wants to do all this sneaky shit to try to disrupt and make me angry, but he's not even doing it right. He doesn't realize that, you know, I've got just as much clout and connections as, as they do, you know, and that there is a way to get this done right if, if, you, if you really wanted to do it right, you know. That's the way I see it. Well, to to get back so. to the the stuff that uh, that is still up on Spotify and iTunes and all of that, uh, the, I, and there goes new music. Yeah. Uh, so tipping point, uh, the the two song EP you guys released. Uh, I know uh, quite a few of us here have been uh, have been big fans. I've I've had that on repeat <laughs> since it came out. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad. I'm uh, glad. I didn't. I didn't want it to be stories so much about street and drug life, but you know the the issues that are going on with most people nowadays. You know, it is someone close to them that's either dealing with a mental health or a drug issue, and uh, you know, as much as it's a tipping point for the band's legacy, as well as everything else, you know, the topics are very, very relevant, and pretty much there's not a person in the world that's not affected by this on some level, whether it's personal or or someone that really matters to them. So, you know, you take Pusher is a story about having a loved one that you want to try to protect from the streets, and you're willing to do anything even if that means going out there to get what they need and bring it home for them and risk getting arrested or hurt yourself in order to protect them. You know, hence the reason why the chorus is, I'm not your pusher. Right. You know, 
Like I'm, 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 I'm doing what I'm doing so you don't have to go out there and be in the risk. Uh, secondly, message to a man-child. A lot of people don't know this, but this is a story about a very old friend who actually was one of the brothers of a long-standing Leeway member who never really matured and got their lives in order and uh, was still abusing hard drugs and everything. And this guy was a running partner. We did a lot of things together, a lot of good things and twice as many bad things. But he wanted to reunite with me and I asked him not to. I told him I was in a very happy place. I'm not interested in going backwards. You know, um, with the leeway drama, you know, there is no drama. But, you know, we all don't get along. So if there's any interaction, obviously it's going to be drama. So I'm trying to avoid that. And he was very hurt that I didn't want to hang out with him. It's like, what are we going to do? Talk about drugs? Talk about, you know, how you fucked me over? You know, what is there to talk about, really? You know? Right. But uh, he got into a very serious situation down in the Carolinas where his family lives and hit and killed a 38-year-old woman in a hit and run. Jesus. Oh, shit. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what they did to, to kind of hide the person that got hit, but the person must have been, after, after they hit her, they must have hit the body because the cops found out that they were involved with it and they came looking for him, and they grabbed him up at the airport trying to leave the state, but they did not have the corpse, so they could not keep him. So they let him go. And you know what this cocksucker had the nerve to do? He came back up to New York, lied to a family member of mine to let him crash and hide out and put my family under risk. You know, uh, and and this particular person that he asked had, you know, had two daughters. And, um, you know. Jesus. So, you know, basically, he inspired me to send him a very public letter. And believe me, you know, everybody in New York who remembers him knows what's up now. And, uh, you know, he's the inspiration to the B-side. How about that? (laughs) Damn. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so basically now I'm waiting for the case to follow through and see where he's, you know, how much time he's going to get and everything like that. You know, I don't want to discuss him personally. I won't give him any relevance by uh, saying his name. No, no, no. Because he's, he's that deluded. You know, if you ever looked at his Facebook page, he's like got a list of 15 bands he played in in New York. And, you know, not many of them are relevant. But if you go down that list of the 15 bands or how many bands it is, I don't know. He got kicked out of every band for fucking drugs. Jesus. And fucking being a thief. You know? Well, mess- message to a man-child is, I would yeah. say, that's that's about as apt a title as you can get. 
Well, you know, it's also like a reminder to me. Because while I was an IV addict in the mid-90s, and I was turning 30, and I knew that this detox, again, that I'm sitting in a hospital going for, was just not going to work. That I needed to find a more serious level of treatment to change my ways and to change these habits, which was going to take years. And, you know, I went through the whole course. And then after five years of not using drugs at the turn of millennium, I was able to get better therapy for my mental health. And once I started that track, I was able to just move forward and not look back. Yes, I'm not a sober man. Rarely do I drink, but I still smoke marijuana, and I take a very low-dose antidepressant. But if that's going to keep me level and sane so I don't stick a needle in my arm to feel like a human being three times a day, so fucking be it. Because it could be a lot worse. When you're strung out like that, you can't keep a dollar in your pocket, and you constantly got to scrape, struggle, and do things you wouldn't normally do in a sane mind to get money. And that means burning people and loved ones and everything else. And, and I made a conscious effort to change my ways. Well, you know? I mean, I mean, uh, hey, if it, if it takes you a bowl and a low-dose antidepressant to, to keep you from going back to that, I say stick with it more power to you i mean you well i'm not saying like i really need all that but but what i'm saying is is i'm not sober i'm not trying to be that self-righteous drug-free guy no but i understand the struggle and i understand what it takes to get some semblance of normalcy back after you've gone down that road because most addicts cannot you know, thankfully, I didn't have an issue with pills like benzodiazepines, like Xanax, like, or uh, took this or that. You know, I was strictly this street opiate kid, and once I got out of that environment, I didn't crutch on anything real, you know. And smoking a little weed is, is something I, I guess I always did. And I really don't see it like being a drinker or something like that. I honestly don't. You know, being a broken neck survivor and everything else helps with my appetite and the pain that I endure every day. You know, so be it. It's better than being on what, what you know, most of these pharma companies want you on. You know, yeah, they I, would I, rather I, have me on a steady supply of Percocets or mm-hmm. Oxys or Roxys. Mm-hmm. You know I, what I mean? I don't think anyone here is going to disagree with you on that. No, and and basically coming up with that money is is just like coming up with money for the dope man to get straight. Yeah, it's, they it's just the they, only they, difference they, is one has cameras and a cash register, the other one has a gun in a in a pocket. Yeah, they 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 call it the opioid crisis for a reason. It it's yeah. just that. No, it's it, it's beyond epidemic. It's pandemic. 
I've seen what it's done to Long Island since I've had family over living out there. Yeah. For uh, 25 years again. I also lived out there in the 70s, but it was a different place then. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I mean, you I know, it, this this drug issue is has gotten into every household. It's not uh, an urban thing. Oh, you know Eddie. What I mean? Eddie, I'm from California, man. Uh, it's it's all over the fucking place out there. Mm-hmm. It's it's opioids and meth everywhere you go. Well, it's, meth, and and I've seen yeah. what meth is like in a lot of the southwestern oh. cities. Uh, Albuquerque oh, yeah. at night is definitely a George C. Romero movie. <laughs> oh no, you're no Eddie. Eddie, you're you're sp- you're you're spot on, man. I mean, no, I, I know. I, I remember. Oh yeah, we, we were in one area. Where they would just all out, and I chose to stay in the van that night to watch this shit. And, and you know, with the scabs on their faces, and yep. they look skinnier than me, and, and the skin pallor. You know, it, they they literally are what, what zombies are in the movies. You know? And, and, and it's sad, because I know what it's like to be in that position. But they're also in no mindset to help them. So I'm not going to sit there and, you know, try to save your life, man. Just stay the fuck away from me. You know, you, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a healer per se, you know. So you can't really, you can't really help these people. You know, they're on their own, just like I was. You know, when I started treatment, they probably would have been happy to keep me in some methadone clinic for the rest of my life. But I wasn't going to do that. There's no way you could travel or tour on a medication like that. And then you're just uh, giving up one drug for another. Yeah, I mean, you know? what, what's the point at, the, at that point? Really? Well, some people, they it's the only way because, like, methadone, for example, will give somebody uh, 24 hours of normalcy. It's an oral drink instead of having the stick it in your arm and uh you know at least for 24 hours you won't go through withdrawal symptoms and everything else you can hold down a job you can be good to your family right especially if you have kids you know what i mean like you you've got to change your life for your children that's true you know so it, it does give the most chronic addicts a chance So, but a lot of people that don't have that chance because of finance, circumstance, and the position in life, it's very depressing. It's hard for them to want to get better. So, I'm I'm actually interested to know um, does does this sort of subject matter does this uh, has this inspired you in writing new leeway material? Like, has that well, it obviously did with these last two songs. I you know. It, it, you know, it's almost like having, uh, like, a tattoo on my forehead, former, you know, dope fiend, you know, recovering addict. You know, great. I'm, I'm lucky that the majority of my drug years occurred before the internet. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's not as much trash talk out there as there could have been about my past. You know what I mean? So, so uh, that helps. You know, even though haters will use it as like a as as a way to throw a P 
piece of shit at me, you know, online, or to talk shit, you know, they'll try to use my past on me, and, uh, since it is such a big part of my life, whether while I was an addict, or as I go through recovery, it's very important for me to tell that story, to help others. Um, I've been encouraged to write my autobiography, autobiography for a very long time now, but I felt there was no way I could do it without some sort of happy ending. Like I had to, I had to uh, experience a few more years and get myself into a a better place in life to to kind of show people that, you know, I was in this hell. But I found my way out and was able to reachieve this life. And that if I can do it, you can do it too. I have you a, know, so. a huge amount of respect for that. And I, I think it's one of the things that's always drawn me uh, to a lot of the hardcore scene in general is that it uh, it serves as a platform for, for reaching out to people. Um, well, if it's supposed to be about community and unity, you know, there it is. So there's supposed to be some sort of conscious heart that's needed to be involved here. You know what I mean? To help others. You know, we, you've got, you know, some people that feed the homeless. You know, there's some people that promote, uh, you know animal cruelty free products or being vegan you have political uh opinions you know so obviously addiction and mental health are the social issues that are affecting so many of us now you know so it's important to be involved myself and have some sort of dialogue. You know, the people that helped me in the early 2000s inspired me as mentors. And and I can't help wanting to carry that torch at the same time. I mean, that's, that's you know? hugely inspiring, honestly. Well, I, you know, again, it, it's it's a need type of thing I should be using my platform for something positive and you know I'm not always the most positive guy in the room you know what I mean a lot of people could say I could be a very angry negative person at times sure it's because of the bullshit I'm surrounded by you know um, it, it, it's a give-and-take world that, that you know we all want from this world but we have to give back at the same time you know um and i just know that there's a lot of people that gravitated towards me early on who were caught up in the same things that i was caught up with and you know it it, it it's just like that you know and i know 
this still happens today because I run into kids who, you know, are in their mid-twenties and they're telling me about their drug problem or how the music helped them seek treatment and get control of their lives again. And, and I can't help that feeling being more rewarding than, you know, just, uh, getting 200 kids in a room to see a show. You know, it, it, it's, it's the, the balance of the two, you know, are kind of special to me, but to know that I'm actually helping somebody or that they're getting something from my music that I used to seek in music of other people. It, it, it shows me that I'm doing something right and that it does have a tangible meaning to people. It's not just like, you know, just a hip song that they like for uh, a couple of months. That's, you know? Yeah, no, that that's, that's I mean, that's awesome. Uh, it, it's, you know... Um, it's the same thing we're trying to do here in our own sort of way to to kind of give back to the, obviously nowhere near that extent uh but i i really appreciate your your perspective on the whole thing no thanks i you know i just you you don't know what any particular person is looking for out of music some people are just looking for a good time you know what i mean so you know they'll go to maybe uh a more um, not so much extreme metal band, but a metal band that's just into the whole fantasy of things. You know what I mean? And not just real life. Right. Hey, you know, you, hey, you know what, man? I, get I, lost I, in that and have a good time. But then hey, there's I, also a lot of people that are seeking the truth in music, so they're looking for songs that have some sort of meaning to them. Hey, you know what? If if I want fantasy, I'll get down to some Blind Guardian. If I want some truth, I'll go listen to Sheer Terror. I can find room in my life for both. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's just, uh, I guess, what I'm hoping to deliver with the opportunity that I have to release new music again. And that's what it is. It's an opportunity. You know, I could have been a leftover, has been, like many of the bitter trolls online that just don't have a fan base who are being laughed at and not taken seriously. You know, I could be one of those guys, but luckily I've been able to, you know, be reflective and have a certain amount of humble posture where I don't take myself serious i don't have the ego most front men have and through my self-deprecating nature i could keep it real and and i can verbally relate to people in a way that most people don't get to and that's an honor to have that chance at my age i don't you know i don't expected to be here waiting for me as if like I deserve it do you know what I mean just because Leeway was a band that 
had some crossover appeal and came at the right time and place to put their stamp in this history. It doesn't mean that, you know, anybody owes me or the band anything. It's about the fans first and foremost, because without them, we don't have any of this. So, you know, the the band has to keep showing appreciation and keep coming back and be willing to offer more. Not just be there and mail it in and just play the same songs all the time. In the same order as the last time we came <laughs> into town. We didn't even change up the set list. That's how, how much we don't give a fuck. Right. I can't do that. Oh, that's, yeah. that's appreciated. I believe yeah. you know, Right now I'm about to take a whole new group of musicians out for, on this next tour that I'm doing. Simply because, you know, my a lot of my guys, the main guys, you know, have families and stuff. And, and Dan's coaching high school football right now, so there's no way he could go on tour. Right. So I, I, might be, I might be bringing a completely different set to this tour, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to kind of keep it fresh and, and, and to keep myself on, on my toes, per se, not just, you know, playing the same 10, 12 songs every time. You know, I just can't do that, you know, and I want to be able to enjoy myself at the same time without feeling bored doing the same set over and over again. Right. You know what I mean? That's not fair to an audience. Like, it just seems like, you know, you didn't rehearse or anything to go on tour because you guys are doing the same fucking set. How many times do you need to practice? You know, really. If you're playing the same set, you don't have to practice to do shows. That's, yeah. But, you know. And I know bands do that. I, I just, you know, that's not for me. For what little fan base and the, the core following that I have, I feel very blessed and humbled to have it. And, and I'll always keep trying to give as much as I can in order to maintain or build on it. Uh, it, but it, I am who I am. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to, uh, you know, like kind of pander myself to make you like me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go out of my way to try to win anybody over. I am who the fuck I am. It's like it or not. You know. Well, I mean, your and, your effort in the music definitely shows. You know, uh, it's like I said before. It's it's amazing to hear you know new leeway in uh in 2019 and for it to be uh as innovative and pushing as it is yeah I yeah mean, well i would not have put it out if i didn't feel it was strong enough to because that's the other thing i may not necessarily get along to work with the previous members and i'm so much more happier doing this on my own and doing it myself it gives it gives it the, the, the enjoyment I didn't have with them before. You know what I mean? Which which makes this fun. And and makes me want to keep going out and play. It, I'm, I can't help that I'm happier for that. Kind of lost my track 
I know I tend to go into tangent, tangent rants here at moments trying to explain myself. But, um, you know, this is, this is the way I can keep it going. And, and I do not desecrate the band's previous re legacy. I could not have achieved what I personally did in this band without the inspiration of the others and what they brought to the table. You know, me and AJ wrote some great songs together. You know, sadly today, uh, you know, I prefer to do this alone. They don't want to work with me either. And I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, I became Eddie Leeway. Like, that became my nickname more than Eddie Sutton. Sutton is my grandmother's maiden name. My real last name is a long Italian name by the name of Pomponio. Uh, <laughs> and, and I like keeping that on, like, the down low and, you know, having, I guess, a moniker. Well, we, we promise we won't tell anybody. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> well, look. It's not easy to find me anyway. You know, after, after explaining the story with that kid and message to a man child... You know, I moved out of New York about 15 months ago. I settled down with a wonderful woman with two children. You know, I've become a stepdad. I feel like I'm, you know, in my own Marky Mark Wahlberg movie now, playing stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm, you know, uh, I'm very excited because, you know, I always feared uh, having a family and failing. But, uh, you know, I'm in a much better place. And, and all of this felt right, and it came at the right time because after all of that stuff that happened, I needed to really separate myself, put another wall and circle to, to, to establish a certain level of solitude where uh, I'm not bothered by people like this. You know, I don't need one of these demons, a ghost, you know, knocking on my door from the past right and i put this whole you know effort into changing my life for the last 25 years you know and i'm not trying to hustle scrape or grime grimy grind to 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 raise these two kids either i've got to fly straight you know what i mean i can't be i can't be doing the things that i used to do you know let alone protect them from these yeah. characters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, I, the, the way I see it, if, if, if I can grow the fuck up, why can't you? Because, you know, everybody assumed I would be the one to be the lifelong fuck up. Or, or fool, you know what I mean? But, you know, apparently... There's a lot of guys like me who haven't really focused on getting their lives in order. Whether they just don't care or have no desire. And if that's the case, then, then they've got bigger mental health issues than I thought. Because that's like being a sociopath, not giving You know? And I guess when you've been in my world... And you have the chance to get a, get out and stay away from it. You would understand 
more the reason why I've made this separation and and also relocated and left New York again. I mean, I'm up here enough working. I do a little stagehand work. We shot a new video this week. Oh, wow. I'm helping the guys around with an art gallery event that we've had this weekend. I see my family up here, you know, but, you know, I'm living the life in Virginia Beach on a nice, quiet country ro road, you know, just south of the North Carolina, just north of the Carolina border, you know. The hurricane came through town and disappeared overnight. And uh, I love it down there. Because really, I'm just on the land all the time. I don't drive. So, you know, I'm just sitting at home all the time on the computer and uh, hanging out with the kids. Hey, I don't drive either, so we got something in common. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, being a New York boy and everything like that, I could never afford a car, you know. And then well, with the parking and everything else no. oh yeah well i i also i also just live in a really small town and i mean i live i i live within like 10 to 15 minutes walking distance of everything i can need so i mean so there you go yeah there's there's not a whole lot of call for me to have one so you know i i you know i also knew you know i didn't want the responsibility of driving myself and friends home after a night on the lower east side going back to queens you know, I mean, I lived. So all I was doing while we were getting that together was just talking about the cost of living compared to New York and the gotcha. rest of the country. Um, and that's what I love about Virginia Beach. And since I don't drive, I just hang out on the property. I'm glad the hurricane wasn't too bad. Kind of like livestock. I just wander around. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, you, you, you and I seem to live very similar lives in that way, Eddie. Well, we also have a shooting range. It's, you know, it's about fifteen acres. Oh, there's two homes. Oh, believe, believe me, believe me, Eddie. Where I live, I do plenty of shooting. Trust me. Yeah, well, it's something that you know I don't really do a lot, but it is available for me. You know, and. uh you know, I haven't gone fishing since I was a, a kid. Oh. I haven't done any of that. I you miss know, fishing. On my time off, I kind of like just being home and around, you know. I'll cook. I'll spend time with the kids. You know, Eric's back to school in second grade. So, you know, we've got yeah. we've got homework and everything like that, you know. So it it sounds it sounds to me is that you've uh, you've achieved a modicum of stability, at least, which is good. I mean, that's yeah, that... no, I mean, it's it's important to also have that for people to see, because the reality is I would not have the team of people I have behind me working with me if I was still doing the things that I was doing 20 years ago, the things that made me leave the music to regroup and get my life back together. You know, that really was the reason why uh, nothing really panned out. Nobody in the band, whenever we were doing shows and stuff, uh, really had much of an interest in doing much with the band anymore. And over that time period, I walked away from the band twice. 
because I just knew that things were not going to work and that things were not going to happen timely and that we were not going to be able to record or do anything relevant or do a, another tour and things like that. It just was not going to be a busy thing. So I focused more on getting my life together. After I broke up the band for good in 2006, and after breaking my neck, I recovered and started doing my project with the guys from Agents of Man, Truth and Rights. And that was important because I wanted to at least show the music industry and Leeway fans that I could still write songs, I could still do this. And, and maybe even better after getting my, after the neck injury that I had, I thought maybe my vocals got better than ever. Yeah. Because I'm not the typical vocalist in a hardcore band. You know, I do try to sing. I do try to have a blue. Yeah. All right. I'm just because this keeps happening. I'm when we can get them back on. I'm gonna try to wrap it. Yeah. So yeah. We don't keep running into this. Yeah, he's been super, you know, pliable with us so far. Yeah. Wow. Maybe next. Yeah. That the band was back together. I wanted them to know by the title in the name that it was really just me with my musicians bringing a tribute because yeah. really that's what it is you know i'm not trying to bullshit anybody and say this is leeway no you that's know? i mean i i appreciate that approach uh you know because it's yeah otherwise people are expecting something that maybe they're not getting um but listen uh we're our connection issues uh, seem to be getting worse, um, so I don't want to I don't want to lose you on the call again here. Okay. Um, but we we really we really appreciate you calling in. We we wish we could uh, we could keep rolling with it, but the the internet doesn't seem to be <laughs> working. Well, with look, us man, too well right now, I I appreciate the time, and as you can see, I I enjoy just bullshitting. Oh yeah. Time someone gives me the opportunity to speak my mind, it's a lot of fun. So you guys can call and reach out to me anytime. I mean, we've got the app set up. I figure uh, I'm not going on tour for another six weeks, so I probably will not lose my phone for a couple of months <laughs> or break it. <laughs> so we have this app. We can use it while we still have it. You yeah, guys can reach I, out we, to me anytime. Yeah. We got my number. We'll we'll we'll. We would definitely love to have you back on. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah we'll do, let's do a World Series special. I'm over here talking <laughs> about sports. We can talk about sports and uh, the best investments in baseball card collecting right now. Well, you, you, you do sound like you would be the guy to talk to about that. Well, yeah, but, you know, ESPN is not banging on my door, sadly. I don't have the wardrobe for ESPN. Oh, fuck them. They should <laughs> have you on anyway. Can you imagine me all gussied up, like you know? <laughs> see, see, no, honestly, baseball cards. 
Honestly, I'd like I'd like to see you on there just as you are. I think that would yeah. be I think that would be really entertaining. Honestly, that, that's what they should do with these guys with their starched suits and everything like that. They should have somebody as just who they are, and that's it. You know, <laughs> I, I'd love to see it personally. Yeah. Well, Eddie, you know, I know they'll, they'll be watching me and be like, "Oh, Jesus Christ, he's had the same fucking Adidas." <laughs> 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 well i you know, something like all right well, did i lose you guys no no no, no. we're here. still here. No. we're still here no. um but i i want to on for a minute just to see if anybody comes back no we can hear you if not then i'll just hang up and i'll text ah uh, i think he can't hear us at this point oh jesus but again, uh, thank you for everything oh totally man we we got you uh, well, oh, damn it. Sadly, I, I think we've lost Eddie. Yeah, I'll shoot, I'll shoot him a message. Oh. With that, it seems that we've arrived at our destination. It is now safe to unzip <laughs> under your seatbelts. Un unzip your pants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pull it out. Good night, ladies. Manja.